Leviticus chapter 15, verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron, saying, To speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When any man hath an issue out of his flesh, his issue is unclean. And that's anything, any type of bodily fluid, you know, um, could be a oozing sore. Three, and this shall be his uncleanness in his issue, whether his flesh run with his issue or his flesh be stopped from his issue. It is his uncleanness. When things come out of us, we're unclean, which, I mean, we all know. That's why we take showers, because things come out of us. For every bed whereon he that hath the issue lieth shall be unclean, and everything whereon he sitteth shall be unclean. Say it's a boil that's draining, whatever it is that's causing the man to ooze bodily fluids, anything he touches is unclean. Unclean means that you cannot enter the sanctuary. You can't enter his presence. It doesn't mean that you're bad or that God doesn't love you or that you've done anything wrong because God knows that we can't help it when we're having issues. This is just the law for what to do if and when you do have something coming out of your body. 5. And whosoever toucheth his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until even. If there's a sick man and you say you're taking care of him and you have to touch his bedclothes or whatever, then you're dirty as well because you helped him. God isn't going to hate you because you took care of somebody, but you will be unclean. God is pure and holy, and when we get to heaven, there's going to be absolutely nothing wrong with us. Before we get to heaven, we're going to have a new robe of righteousness when we're going up in the sky. A robe of righteousness will be placed on us, and we'll get our new eternal spirit body that has no sickness, no disease. We won't be old anymore and beautiful and perfect weight. Nobody will have extra fat hanging off of them. Nobody will have teeth problems. Nobody will have eye problems, no deformities, no sickness of any sort. And I'm sure all the bald men will have their hair back too. The fact that he won't let sick people enter his presence at the tabernacle is symbolic of a promise. It's a promise that all of us who go to heaven will never be sick again, will never cry again, will never be hungry again, will never be tired again. There will be nothing wrong with us ever again. We'll be in perfect form. That's a beautiful promise. And so to symbolize that promise, only people who are clean and well can enter the Lord's presence. I have some deformities on my body, and so according to God's law, if I had been living back there with the Israelites, I would have never been allowed in the sanctuary. Because if you have a deformity or if you're lame in any way, you cannot enter the sanctuary ever, period. And so that used to make me feel bad when I read it in the Bible when I was young, and I was like, oh, God doesn't really want me around him because I'm lame. And I didn't really understand it. But now that I'm a mature, born-again Christian, the Lord has shown me that it's symbolic of a promise that when I get to heaven, I'll be perfect. There won't be any more problems in heaven than heaven. It's his own personal home. It's his personal kingdom. We cannot enter it sick. And so he's going to fix us. In the old covenant, they were only symbolizing this. For the people who couldn't enter, they were representing our state on earth where we're still sick and we still have diseases. And the people who could enter because they were well and they weren't oozing anything, those people, when they entered, represented our state in heaven. So it isn't that God loved the people who entered more than the people who couldn't enter. 
but on each side, a representation is being made. It's, it's like a metaphor, a word picture, so that we'll understand that outside the tabernacle represents earth, and that's where the sick people are. And inside, within the tabernacle, represents heaven, and that's where the well people are. It's just a promise. When we get there, no more lameness, no more blindness, mental problems, no more any problems, period. Seven, and he that touches the flesh of him that hath the issue shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. So if you touch a person who's sick, you're unclean. Eight, and if he that hath the issue spit upon him that is clean, then he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until even. First of all, that verse said that if, say I have a oozing boil, and I spit on another person to insult them, I've actually made that person unclean because the spit came from me. Now they're unclean until evening. Why does it always say until evening? We talked about this in Genesis chapter 1. Days always begin in the evening. When the sun goes down, it's a new day. Now in Western culture, we've been raised our whole lives to believe that the day begins when the sun comes up in the morning, but that's the second half of the day. According to the Bible, both Old and New Testament, all throughout the Bible, a day always begins in the evening and ends in the morning. The first part of the day is evening, and the last part of the day is morning. When he says unclean until evening, he's literally saying unclean until the next day, because the next day begins in the evening, when the sun goes down. And that's why all the Jewish feasts begin at sundown, is because that's the beginning of a new day. There was something else I forgot to mention in one of the, the last chapters. When I said that the scarlet that they used with a hyssop represented the blood of Jesus, it does represent the blood, but it also represents is the red robe, the scarlet robe that the Roman soldiers put on Jesus to mock him before King Herod. When he stood before Herod, they put the red scarlet robe on him to mock him. That's what that piece of scarlet represents. He was made ashamed. He was mocked and humiliated. And if you've ever been shamed, mocked, or humiliated, just know that Jesus was too. And he understands you 100%. He knows what it's like to be put to shame through no fault of your own, just because other people are cruel. That's what that scarlet represents. Jesus took on our sickness on the cross. He took on our sorrows, and he took on our shame. We shouldn't be feeling shame because he took it. So if you have shame in your life, give it to Jesus because he died for that. He died to take that away from you. I wanted to mention something else that's really important. When Jesus healed people, instead of Jesus becoming unclean because he touched them, he never became unclean. They became clean when he touched them because they got healed. If I go and care for a sick person who has an issue, I will become unclean because I'm taking care of them according to the old law. But when Jesus, for instance, when the woman who had an issue for 12 years, she was bleeding from her womb for 12 years. She was unclean. And remember when she pushed herself through the crowd because she knew that if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. And then she touched his hem and she was clean. She was healed. But Jesus didn't become unclean. You know why? Because he is God and he provided the cleansing for her. And that's why he didn't become unclean when she touched him. But all the other people who she touched in the crowd to get to Jesus, she made all of them unclean. But when she touched Jesus, she didn't make Jesus unclean. When we're sick and Jesus comes to touch us, he doesn't lose any of his holiness or purity by ministering to us. We become like him instead of him becoming like us. 
Isn't that beautiful? If I try to get too close to somebody who has a lot of problems, that person will actually bring me down a little bit to their level. And that's why we've got to be careful who we hang out with and who we try to help. But Jesus can help everyone, and it doesn't hurt him a bit. He's God. When the woman went through the crowd, every single person she bumped became unclean. But when she touched Jesus, he made her clean. It's just amazing. 9. And what saddle soever he that hath the issue rideth upon shall be unclean. This shows you that they had saddles on horses back then. Pretty much everything we have today is mentioned in the Bible. Um, 10. And whosoever toucheth anything that was under him shall be unclean until the even. And he that beareth those things shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. If you put like a, a soft blanket on a chair and then the sick man sits on it, now the blanket is unclean. And if you pick up the blanket after he leaves and put the blanket somewhere else, you're unclean for touching the blanket. 11. And whosoever he that hath the issue toucheth without having rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. So if somebody is sick and they don't wash their hands before touching you, then you're unclean. 12. And the earthen vessel which he that hath the issue toucheth shall be broken, and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. Wood can be cleaned but the clay cannot be cleaned, probably because they're very porous. When a clay vessel becomes unclean, God says, break it. Whoever the potter was in town was busy, but the wooden vessels, they could sanitize. Kind of like you and I throw away plastic. 13. And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, then he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes, and he shall bathe his flesh in running water and shall be clean. There's a seven-day waiting period just to make sure you're extra clean. There's something about air, sun, and dryness, the cleanliness of things. Air itself and sunshine can sanitize things. And so after seven days, you're going to definitely, in that amount of time, you're going to be sanitized from that sickness. So after the seven days, he shall wash his clothes and shall bathe his flesh in running water and shall be clean. 14. And on the eighth day, he shall take to him two turtle doves or two young pigeons and come before the Lord under the door of the tent of meeting and give them unto the priest. You have two weeks to get your offering together, just in case you need that long. 15. And the priest shall offer them the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Remember, the burnt offering means you're totally consecrated to the Lord, and the sin offering is just to forgive you of your sins. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord for his issue. He's getting forgiveness for his issue. And again, this shows that you might have an issue as a result of sin, but even if you don't, you're a sinner anyway. You still need atonement. 16. And if the flow of seed go out from a man, now this is talking about semen, then he shall bathe all his flesh in water and be unclean until even. He's only unclean until the next day if he has sex with his wife. 17. And every garment and every skin whereon is the flow of seed shall be washed with water and be unclean until even. If anything gets on the bedclothes or whatever, then those items are definitely unclean. You can't just go sleep in that again the next day. It has to be washed. 18. 
the woman also with whom a man shall lie carnally, they shall both bathe themselves in water and be unclean until evening. See how God is just showing them good hygiene. He's telling them you have to take a bath. You don't have a choice. 19. And if a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be in her impurity seven days. And that's the normal length of menstruation is about seven days. And whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean until even. Now that would include all of her kids. They're all going to touch her. You know they're going to touch her because she takes care of them. And it might include her husband. So anybody who touches her is unclean until evening, which means if her husband touches her, in the morning, then he can't go into the sanctuary that day because he's unclean. He can't go into the sanctuary until the next day. He would have to wait until evening to be clean, and then the next day he can go into the sanctuary. And this is why, generally speaking, children were always considered unclean all the time because they were touching their mothers every day, um, hugging and getting held and the mother feeding them and all kinds of stuff. So they were always touching their mothers. Even a teenage child might give their mom a hug, you know, or do something for their mother. Mothers are nearly always unclean because they're always lactating or menstruating. And men would be unclean whenever they slept with their wife until the next day. That's why whenever Moses would say, consecrate yourselves, in that commandment is included, don't sleep with your wife that day. On the day of a big feast, the three times out of the year when the men have to appear before the Lord at the temple, they wouldn't be sleeping with their wives. They need to be clean. There were times when the men deliberately did not sleep with their wives, and it was because of these purposes. 20. And everything that she lieth upon in her impurity shall be unclean. Everything also that she sitteth upon shall be unclean. The bed, the blanket, the chair, whatever. 21. And whosoever toucheth her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. So probably a lot of the family members did not touch her bed. But the man might have to because he might be sleeping in that bed. So for him, he'd either be unclean for that whole week or he would have to sleep somewhere else in order to stay clean. 22. And whosoever toucheth anything that she sitteth upon shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until evening. 23. And if he be on the bed or on anything whereon she sitteth, when he toucheth it, he shall be unclean until evening. 24. And if any man lie with her, and her impurity be upon him, he shall be unclean seven days. So now God is saying, if you touch your wife when she's menstruating, you're unclean until evening. But if you sleep with your wife when she's menstruating, you're unclean for seven days. And every bed whereon he lieth shall be unclean. So the man is unclean for a longer period of time. 25. And if a woman have an issue of her blood many days, not in the time of her impurity, like if you're sick, if you have like a problem with your womb and your cycle is out of kelter, or if she have an, an issue beyond the time of her impurity, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness, she shall be as in the days of her impurity. She is unclean. Normally, when a woman starts menstruating, she's unclean for seven days. That's normal. But if she's having abnormal menstruation and she menstruates for two weeks or a month or whatever it was, then her uncleanness will just be as long as the menstruation, however long it lasts. 
26. Every bed whereon she lieth all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her impurity, and everything whereon she sitteth shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her impurity. This shows you that women probably had special places in the home, that that's mother's chair and nobody else's chair, and that would be where she would sit when she's menstruating. And she might have had, you know, special pillows and all kinds of things that the rest of the family might try to stay away from. The designated thing that she uses when she's menstruating. This isn't as big of a deal as it sounds to us because in modern society, women menstruate every month because they don't have more than a few kids in their whole lifetime. They're menstruating month after month. But back in this culture, women did not menstruate every month because they were constantly having kids. They were pregnant a lot. They didn't have to go through this month after month like you and I would if we were following these laws because they were having babies all the time. 27. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean, and shall wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. 28. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. When the menstruation is over, she takes a bath, and then she waits seven days until she's clean. 29. And on the eighth day she shall take under her two turtle doves or two young pigeons and bring them unto the priest or to the door of the tent of meeting. Now she's giving a sacrifice because she menstruated. But again, it's not as big of a deal as, as you might think because back in this ancient time, women rarely menstruated. 30. And the priest shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. 31. Thus shall ye separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, that they die not in their uncleanness, when they defile my tabernacle that is in the midst of them. This is to keep unclean people out of the tabernacle. Everyone's going to be unclean at some point, because you're going to get sick or you're going to touch somebody who's sick or you're going to menstruate, or you're going to have an emission because you had sex with your wife. It's bound to happen. But everybody has to become clean again in order to enter the tabernacle. And for those who can't get clean, they just can't go in the tabernacle. It's another beautiful promise. There won't be any bodily fluids oozing out of us in heaven. We're not going to have these problems. We aren't going to have to take a bath. We aren't going to have to brush our teeth. We aren't going to have to comb our hair when we get to heaven. We aren't going to have any of this stuff going on. It's just going to be perfect all the time. There's no procreation in heaven. So there's no sex. Heaven is going to be way better than that. On earth, people think sex is the greatest thing. But in heaven, when we finally see God face to face... It'll be indescribable joy, bliss, pleasure, happiness, fulfillment, like we have never, never known. And there's nothing that we've experienced on this earth that will ever match it or even come close to it. Believe me, in heaven, you aren't going to be sorry that you don't have a spouse. You aren't going to be sorry that you don't procreate. You're going to be so glad that you're in heaven. And you're going to be like, wow, this is so much better than our life on earth was. And it's going to be awesome. 32. This is the law of him that hath an issue, and of him from whom the flow of seed goeth out, so that he is unclean thereby. 33. And of her that is sick in her impurity. Now, when it says sick, that's just a mistranslation. It does mean menstruating. That's what this... So, of her that is menstruating, and of them that have an issue, whether it be a man or a woman, and of him that lieth with her that is unclean. And that concludes Leviticus chapter 15.